to Active Architecture, a Dollhouse Retrospective podcast. This is our episode number nine for the season one episode number nine, Spy in the House of Love. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Jay. And welcome to the podcast. Unfortunately, regular co-host Jen couldn't join us uh, tonight. She's uh, got some work commitments and couldn't quite do it, but we made sure to bring in a shiny guest. So we'll still have lots of good discussions. Please welcome in Molly Ficarella. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, Molly. Glad you could join us. Glad I could make it. Awesome. All right. Well, let's see. Got quite a bit to discuss for this particular episode. One bit of housekeeping just to throw out there. As always, near the end, we'll bring up some of the comments in the Facebook group. But uh, we also want to thank one of our co-hosts and uh, regular contributor on our Facebook group, John Pavlich, reminded us that he did an article about this episode. We'll put the link in the show notes for you. It's also over in the Facebook group, as I said, in case you remember there, entitled Reservoir Dolls, an analysis <laughs> on Spy in the House of Love, where he does some comparisons to, I think you can guess what movie. So uh, appreciate John sharing that with us. It's a fun read if you get a chance to look at it. All right. So, folks, Spy in the House of Love, where do we begin? Whew, there's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I- there is. Uh, just the beginning of it because with the crazy visuals and the lights going off and being in the the wiping room it reminded me all the way back to the beginning of the series when Sierra was brought in yeah very much also a little bit of a almost like a Frankenstein look too huh yeah just random wires are going everywhere lights are going off I'm hearing all kinds of scientific terms I don't understand and then the, (laughs) the blood splatter on the mirror was well, not the mirror, the window, but it was still like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Exactly. You knew something bad was happening. <laughs> you, the lights were not good, but then when the blood happened, you're just like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like the I like the way they kind of roll back time to one of those uh, tried and true TV items when we get to go back and see how things built up to here. It oh, really yeah. made the episode like really pop and just keep you completely interested as you saw pieces of the puzzle and they weren't, you know, in a, in a linear fashion. And so it really, you're trying to place them as you're watching the episode. And the episode has a lot of action and it has a lot of stuff to keep you interested and kind of on the edge of your seat. And so I thought that was done really well. Uh, yes, I can definitely say that the dominatrix outfit is big thumbs up for me as far as keeping me interested. Absolutely. <laughs> Just that, even though I am a I am a lady, um, I still will have to say I very much enjoyed that dominatrix outfit as well. <laughs> Eliza pulls it off well. Yes, I always hear lots of comments. S and M Barbie. I mean, it's kind of like a smile. <laughs> just the one that everyone seems to remember is S and M Barbie, but I mean, she pulls it off really well and is very true to it being more about trust than being about pain of, mm-hmm. until she whips well. the hand. But sometimes you know, it's about the pain. <laughs> it is about the pain. <laughs> and that's true, too, because the whole idea of pain is certainly a theme all throughout this episode in many ways. So, as usual, very visually eye catching, but also subtly, again, that whole idea of the trust and the pain coming back throughout many of the pieces in this episode, too. Because lots of people have lots of things, whether it's physical pain or emotional, as uh, some reveals are made. So, quite interesting stuff. Uh, also, on a rewatch, I think for me, too, one of the things that's really kind of cool is, again, seeing the whole Miss Lonely Hearts details played out here. 
I did originally. I didn't. I didn't honestly think much about that when they had mentioned it previously in the series. I know there was a lot of speculation on it. Was you know, is Miss Lonely Heart someone we know uh, throughout the whole thing? But I never really paid it too much attention. So um, when it was actually you know found to be Dewitt, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> it, it was a little shocking for me. And just having Adele lie so easily through her teeth that oh you know headquarters called me in that's this awful thing and really she has this amazing house which I, I keep wondering is that really Adele's house or is it just a, a like a random home that she rents for the assignment and then Victor you know running out of the old woman's house who possibly has dementia and just kind of <laughs> Martin yep. drives away it's just like oh he's cute he brought me flowers you can use the car yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely some weird stuff going on with that, uh, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, I also love, too, fairly early on, the, the Dominic and Topher scenes, the whole, you know, absolutely, the uh, absolutely. Their, their confrontation is priceless. Well, it's funny, but it also, like, I, the relationship throughout the entire series, even up until the end and what happens, their relationship is very interesting. And um, I really like, you know, Topher kind of coming to, to um did you say Dominic or Boyd? Because I'm totally talking about Boyd. <laughs> That's okay. I was talking about Carry Dominic. on. Carry on. <laughs> Go in any direction. I have a Boyd like. rant later. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but, yeah, with, with uh, Dominic and Topher just having, like, middle management versus IT, and I'm actually married to an IT person, and so I know the, the struggles that he goes through when he's dealing with people like that. And, you know, everyone's so gung-ho about security, but somehow IT is supposed to know about it before it ever happened, even though it's not actually possible. <laughs> but but they're IT, they're smart, they should know these things. They should they should sense them coming. They should just know everything. Exactly. They're control it all. Exactly. I mean, Topher does, you know, think he's a god throughout this entire series. So, if he is a god, he should be all-knowing, and he should have seen this coming. Well, I, much like your husband, yes, I, I work in IT, too, and, and maybe I do have just a wee bit of Topher in me from time to time, and, you know, sometimes you get knocked down a peg, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes for some great scenes. As um, long as you don't destroy the world with mind-wiping, you know, equipment. As far as you I'm know. I'm good. I have not. <laughs> as far as you know, I will not pick up the phone. I will not pick up the phone. <laughs> I do not answer numbers that I don't know. That's right. <laughs> But what if I tell you right now that there are three flowers in a vase? Oh. <laughs> then we're all screwed. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> bad sentence, bad sentence. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, that's some neat stuff, too. And also the, the follow-up, uh, you know, shortly after, when uh, like the aftermath of what's going to go on, Dominic's going around playing, you know, crazy uh, Napoleon taking over, and Echo just subtly walks in and tries to start convincing Topher of what to do now. It, that is just some wonderful subtlety. I have to say, her character in this episode is fantastic. I mean, it's the character you wanted from the entire time because she was clearly Echo. She's not, you know, Caroline or anything like that. She's clearly Echo, and she's just, like you said, she's just subtly doing what she needs to do and, and taking care of what she needs to take care of. She's, you know, eliminating that threat of Dominic, or she's, you know, in the dollhouse and just... I don't know, that awareness that she has, even though she's not technically a full-fledged character, just that little subtle awareness that she has and just is so methodical for a doll. And it, it was really great to rewatch. 
I definitely thought it was Caroline coming through because we know at this point that Echo, well, and not at this point, but very soon in the series that Echo is starting to kind of break through her, her imprints. And so Caroline is kind of slowly coming up and the empathy that Caroline seems to have in her life previous to the dollhouse is just kind of coming through Echo and she can sense the tension. She can see like when Sierra walks out right after being imprinted and says, I'd kill him. She gets really scared that it's going to be against Topher and she wants to be protective. And so Caroline is slowly coming out and coming out through all of these different imprints in different ways. But most of all, when it's just Echo, like walking into a room, I can help you. You can make people different, make me different. And she just knows somehow. Yeah, I think it too, as you were saying, Jay, it's the fact that now we're seeing more of a character in Echo rather than just the, the blank slate. Exactly. You can tell so, the differences between her and the other dolls. That She's, you know, a little bit more at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's really telling. I mean, it's a real watershed thing as far as the development as time goes on. And, of course, we can't forget the classic Topher line here. You know, did I just lose an argument at all? <laughs> I love that line so much. He's just so confused. Wait, did that really happen? <laughs> Let's rewind a second. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and now, considering our discussion about the whole concept of kind of pain throughout here, too, not, not long after this, we've got the whole Melly and Paul situation. Oh, I mean, that's Paul. Just I'm sorry. It's just each time on a rewatch, this just hurts more to see what this guy goes through. When she's sitting there just like, you know, telling him all this stuff and he's just looking at her like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Really? <laughs> and obviously he's a mess when she walks into the apartment. I mean, he's clearly a disaster already. And then she just comes and drops this giant bomb on him and he's like, this is when Ballard goes to the dark side. He just goes off the deep end. And he, can you blame him? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like when he no. sees Victor in the dollhouse later on, he's like, my entire life is a sham. Like, I know, I, I don't know a real person. I mean, how can you be normal if everybody you know is a doll? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I try to think of myself in his position. I really kind of do. And, you know, the go-getter cop, and he thinks he's on to something. And, okay, so maybe he's more than a little over-obsessed, but Melly's back. It's going to calm down a little. And, and then, you know. Light switch goes off, and, and he just has his world fall apart. Exactly. And it just makes him more obsessed, because, like, with the editing of the episode, as she's, like, uh, giving out all of the information, you just see the little flashes to the note on the boards. Mm -hmm. So you can see it's all kind of coming together in his head, and it's kind of giving you an indication, like, eventually in this series, you're going to learn everything you can about the dollhouse, and um, just... I don't, I don't even want to refer to her as, as Melly at that point because she is November, um, that the dollhouse deals in fantasy, but that is not their purpose. And that's the entirety of the series is there. This is not their purpose. They're actually going to end up taking over the world and we're no longer going to be real people, but. Exactly. Immortality. Just, that's their purpose. <laughs> pretty much immortality for the people who can pay for it. Exactly. Yeah, and that's part of what's going to come out, too. And it's really, it is, it's very, very important because it's the entire repeat of the, the quote from Man on the Street, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that uh, Ballard got there, too. So exactly. it's, it's neat stuff. I mean, this is the kind of exciting stuff that I know I greatly enjoyed, the, you know, showing the potential of what Dollhouse could have been, mm -hmm. you know, a little more time to let it play out. So it's very exciting to see that all here. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the main, uh, if you will, to a certain degree, I guess, the quote-unquote A story a little bit, 
uh, you know, Sierra going all born identity and going in to get the thing. And uh, that's kind of fine, but I, I got to admit, on a rewatch, I'm just kind of tuning out for that. It's more about watching the other interactions of, of Echo and, and Dominic and Adele and Topher. Uh, really is just juicy stuff all through. Yeah, there was a lot of character stuff in this episode. I mean, you get so much depth to Adele's character. I mean, up until this point, you see, you know, just kind of that hard exterior. And you see little bits here or there of other things. But um, this is the first episode that really shows her as a human and just that emotion that she has. And you see her breaking down with Victor and just things like that. And it's just, it's a very different Adele than we've seen so far. And, um, and yeah, so Sierra's... Sierra's storyline is a lot of fun because I think it shows the sort of spy espionage alias style that, you know, that Dollhouse could be and it could do it well. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a lot meatier stuff with the Echo storyline and, and with the um, Adele storyline and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too for me kind of thinking about them from uh, each of their different perspectives too because it's... <clears throat> Adele goes through such, uh, and we talk about, or I've talked about Boyd and just the bombshell that he gets here. So you want to talk about that as emotional pain. Adele has got the whole Miss Lonely Hearts thing that she finally is able to, to let loose on here and what it does to her. And then you have the physical pain of what's going to happen with Dominic and let's not even touch on getting shot. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's tough. She is one tough cookie. about it. <laughs> So there's pain there, physical and emotional, going for her as well. That's um, really what makes her such a fascinating character as time goes on. I mean, I absolutely just salivate, and I'm jumping around because it's just too exciting. At the, scene, <laughs> at the scene with her and Dominic back in the house when, you know, he's in a chair all, all handcuffed, and they're discussing, you know, that she trusted him and, and you, know, you know, what he's been trying to do and talking a lot about how the NSA is like, uh, you know, they're not trying to take the dollhouse down they're just afraid they're going to screw it up somehow <laughs> well just the strength of those two actors together in that scene and and just you don't get a lot of their past relationship i mean you get little little flashbacks here and there i think in season two but um you know you get their relationship but just hearing them talk about it you can just tell that three other three year long relationship and just um to see that fall apart in front of her eyes and to see those two go at it is just it's it's extraordinary to watch those two actors and just her acting in that scene with the line she says and the whole like i always wonder like okay one why is this being done in her little love shack <laughs> with victor in the other room yeah victor is probably still in the other room like wondering what she's doing having this meeting and not knowing anyone but she's having this meeting in her love shack and she's also still holding the fencing sword the whole time <laughs> so is she doing that really just to like pick at her nails which is what it looks like or is she doing that as like a threat like i could kill you right now i think it's and just slice your throat open yeah. or is it just because like it's a prop it's kind of there or is it showing her power like what I don't know what it's doing. Is it her defense mechanism because she knows she's about to give up Miss Lonely Hearts? Or? I think she's just like, I'm tough and intimidating in this sword. Like, I don't need it, but, you know, it's here. It's just like, I don't know. She's scary. <laughs> Super scary. It's like at the end of the episode when she's like, when she, or it may be in this scene when she's talking to Dominic and she's, um, and he's asking, you know, what do you think they'll say? And, and he's, she's talking like, we'll put you back in your box. Like every time she says that, 
Like, it sends chills down my spine. Just the way she says it and just how stern and cold she is about it. It's just, you know, you know, you'll tell them everything's okay and then we'll put you back in your box. And it's just like, damn. Wow. Yeah. And just the look on his face and then she's just like, <laughs> did, you, did you think I was going to show you mercy or rage? You should know better. You've been by my side for three years. And exactly. Oh, she's like the ice queen. Bitch <laughs> and she does it so well. <laughs> and that is exactly what my notes say. Ice queen bitch. Oh, I love it. I mean, it is just quintessential. Put a cherry on top. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say she's a bit cut because, I mean, it is a Whedon show, but I think bitch is much better for her. <laughs> I think for her, you just got to go with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, that's but also, too, this is kind of where we're really getting a sense now for a first time view of the attic and how bad it must be. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, that reference there, a um, little later on when Topher is explaining what the addict is, is like, um, you know, that whole something on the tip of your tongue thing that's referenced, it's, it's really laying some groundwork for some dynamite stuff that we got coming later on. I wonder that's the, the first time we hear the description of it, right? Like, we've never is. actually heard what the attic is until this moment, and, now it's, and then it just becomes even more terrifying because it's real. It is. I wonder, though, does it... Does the continuity, does that really, like, fit in with the, what they did in season two of The Attic? Like, the whole mental suck as far as, like, does that go? I don't know. I was thinking today, and I was just like... That's going to be an interesting question. We're probably going to have to kind of wait till we get to that point or revisit yeah. it. I'm trying to think in my head. Because it was just that nightmare thing in season two. It was basically just, like, reliving these nightmares or, or a certain situation. And um, and here we get that, like, it's a mental suck where you really can't come up with a, a thought or a statement. And I just wonder if it, if I don't know if it fits. Well, maybe it's... it's but they're both horrible. The line they're past, they are both horrible, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like if, to make season two work with it, that we can say that the company line being passed down and what they've been told to say the attic is, is the mental suck. When they're you know telling employees when they do wrong, they'll get sent to the attic and the dolls will get sent to the attic. They're told it's this mental suck and you'll never be out of it. But what it really is, is the nightmare scenarios of season two that we get. I think that's a really good explanation because in season two, it's supposed to be very secretive. Nobody who is not in the attic is really not supposed to know what the attic is. So I think that's I think that's a very good explanation. Mm. I would I have never thought best. about Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> Take <laughs> a bow. Yeah. Thank you. That's Thank good, you. Like I'm, You're right. I'm curtsying in my room right now. There you um, go. <laughs> but, but speaking of season two, I'm going to jump around a little bit here too. Um, is thinking about. Um, Boyd in the beginning because uh, Topher thinks it's Boyd at first that is the spy mm -hmm. and then the actual interaction between Boyd and Saunders I find much more intriguing now that we've seen season two and we see where their characters were going to go and that is it the scene in Epitaph 1 where they're like almost about to run away together Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure I was going to reference the right episode. Um, but just Boyd and Sanders and, and having them Saunders, excuse me, uh, having the question about uh, there being flaws in the system, but you can you can make it work and how it's like, oh, they're going to have this almost grand love story. But Boyd also suspects her at the time because he keeps looking at her when um, Boyd and Topher are first talking. Mm hmm about the spy she, he looks directly at Saunders so it's like could it be Saunders we don't know a lot about her at this point we don't know that she's whiskey and has actually been a doll and was just imprinted because she was broken in a way 
Uh, so it's like, I I don't know. I don't. Boyd doesn't fit with me right now because of season two. Well, I, yeah. I think I some of his actions are justifiable, just because you know you can tell, like at the end of the episode when he's becoming like chief security advisor, he's like, no, no, I need to stay with Echo and this. You know, there are some things that match up, but you're right. There are definitely a lot of things that you gotta, you have to kind of. Um, sort of suspension of disbelief and, and try to come up with a reason of, well, maybe it's because of this, you know, I guess, cause I mean, it wasn't planned. So, um, yeah, there's definitely things in this episode and, and throughout the season that I go, that doesn't really work. How do, how can I make that work in my head? <laughs> I can yeah. make the attic work, but I can't make void work yet. There you go. We'll <laughs> figure it out. A little bit. Exactly. Keep watching. We'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> All right. We'll have to go there. <laughs> Uh, now, another thing that was a lot of fun, too, is certainly uh, once Echo does get imprinted and she comes in to start doing her approach to, quote, find the mole, uh, makes for some wonderful scenes sitting in Adele's chair and in her office and doing a lot of that stuff there together uh, while, you know, we're waiting for Ivy to get back with the, quote, unquote, official mole information. Uh, that's another chance for Eliza as an actress to really stretch, and I think it works really well getting a chance to do that. Now, i got to give a lot of props to one of our listeners in the Facebook group who mentioned how in the interview scenes that we're doing when, when she's you know trying to ferret out who it might be, talking to all the different people, how very similar in concept that is to the interview scenes we see in the Firefly episode, Bushwhacked. I don't, I don't remember that episode. That's the one where the, a lot of the Sorry. crew is being interviewed by the Alliance people, and you're getting intercut with almost each of them at, and, uh, excuse me, finishing each other's sentences. Uh, you know, where it's like you're watching a conversation that's just bits from different people and they all kind of somehow work together. I'm a terrible Whedon fan. I've only seen Firefly twice through, so I don't even remember that episode. It's not well, even registered. Yeah, I think it, it's, it is a very I good believe character. you, though. I believe you. I think that's great. <laughs> great point. Yeah, yeah. got to give Sam a lot of credit for mentioning that one because I hadn't thought of that until he mentioned that, but it upon reflection, if you go back and watch both, I think you'll definitely see the parallels. Hmm. I'll have to do that. But it is really neat, too. This is a chance for a very good uh, confrontation between, uh, I'm not even sure what her name is, but basically, you know, Spy Hunter Echo and... Uh, Spy Gump. Echo. <laughs> I don't think she was given a name. Or as I prefer it, Kung Fu Echo. <laughs> as Topher says, what do you want to do? I imprinted her with Kung Fu skills, okay? I'm helping. I helped when I... I helped when I imprinted her with Kung Fu skills. Exactly. Be my guest. Exactly. Be my guest. Go ahead. <laughs> you go fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the good two of them here. behind the couch is just priceless. I love that. With the I thing. love the development of Ivy in this episode. We get a lot more Ivy here. And mm -hmm. she's just, the actress, she's so witty. And, and the character, you know, she's like, I'm over here getting juice boxes after all this school. And she's like, I could take down this equipment. And she's like, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have no common sense. <laughs> But um, there's just so much character development that you get in each of the interviews. I think each of them tell you like a lot about the character. I mean, just the stuff that's laid for Saunders and, and becoming a doll later, um, not to mention the whiskey comment that Dominic makes. Um, even Boyd, I think, works really well because all she says is basically that I trust you. And so it gives you a good meaning that she can't read Boyd because of the trust she has for him. And so a lot of stuff from Boyd kind of gets the slide on her because she does have such a trust for him. So I think that does work well with how the series ends and the fact that 
she sees a lot of stuff coming and she's very intuitive except when it comes to Boyd and that's why she's so betrayed is because she has that trust for him solely and completely and then to be betrayed by him and so I thought that scene worked nicely with with the end of the series and even with the end of the episode when she's having the imprinting scene with the new handler mm -hmm. she's not she's not looking at the <laughs> handler she's looking at Boyd and Adele sees her do it I always think Adele why is he standing there like, yeah, that's kind of. I think that was a bit of a. I, I got to think if they ever do that, but changing handlers, they're not going to have the old one there. Well, I, I felt like it was more Adele saying, "This is your breaking point. You can't keep Echo safe any longer. See what I've done. I'm making her safe with someone else." So it was supposed to be like a breaking point, but really it just reinforced her trust of Boyd and, you know, him being her blind spot. Mm -hmm. Now, what did you folks think? Uh, it's one of those ones I'm not sure if I'm overthinking a bit, but when uh, uh, Kung Fu Echo has the fight with Dominic and, uh, you know, he tries to bring, bring up the whole concept of her being quote-unquote broken, and when she eventually wins, you know, the fight and has him at her mercy, she specifically states that she is not broken. So is that um, Caroline or Echo coming through the imprint here, or is that just uh, some witty dialogue? To me, I think that it's yeah. her breaking through. I really think it's... I'm so sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I definitely think it's Caroline Echo, what she is about to turn into breaking through. And because in the beginning of the episode, I mean, when she's, when she's in her doll state, she's uh, empathetic enough to know what's going on around the dollhouse. And... I mean, Do uh, Dominic even calls her on it, like, don't you understand? You're a doll. But she's she seems to be comfortable with being a doll and being imprinted with spy hunter skills and a little bit of Sherlock Holmes in there. Um, and understanding that this is who she is and she understands that. And she can she says she can take care of herself. She never... Um, we can't assume that it's a spy hunter saying that she'll take care of herself. I kind of think of it as Caroline Echo. So I really do think it's her breaking through, and I also overthink everything. So it's not just you, Kevin. <laughs> I I absolutely agree. I think it's definitely Echo. I don't know that it's so much Caroline. I, I always try to differentiate Caroline from Echo. Um, I think Caroline is a driving force in Echo, and I think Caroline is what makes Echo different. But I also think at at points, Caroline is just sort of another piece of Echo. She's not necessarily, like, Echo isn't Caroline to me. Like, Caroline is a large piece of Echo, but they're not one and the same, I guess is the way I look at it. Um, so I definitely think it's Echo coming through and, and um, just becoming who she is as she develops her character throughout the show. And um, it, it's just those pieces and those imprints that she's um, sort of forming this person that, that she becomes um, and, and I think it's that pushing through and um, I love the line I loved it from the original pilot and I, I love it in this episode um, and, and I love how it, it goes to the conversation later with Dominic and Echo in the van and um, I think that's a great conversation that they have they have some really good scenes together in the series and um, you know I just love him saying you know Everybody looks at her as a broken doll, but yet she's going to be the one to wipe them away. And um, I just think that's a really great scene. 
and all the more powerful once you've been through the series. I think mm-hmm. first time through, when you hear that, it could kind of be lost a little bit on you that it's just you know a bit of him just waxing poetically. But we realize how prophetic that is at this point. So it's it's pretty cool stuff to hear it that way. You know, it really is something. Very creepy. <laughs> yeah. Eerie. Eerie is a better word. Yeah. Yeah, and I love I love too. Once we kind of get to the end part, uh, some of the very uh, witty stuff back and forth with Adele and Topher. You know, when the, when Topher's telling Adele, "Hey, you know, Echo actually came to me on this," and Adele realizing and talking about how Echo is the one who actually literally saved the dollhouse, and there might be other ways that they can use her. Uh, when actually, as we all kind of know, it's actually also Echo using situations to her benefit. So it's a very interesting spin on who's really in control here. Team Echo, Team Adele. Choose, <laughs> pick sides. Do we have to? They're both. I mean, I know. Well, they they do eventually meld into the same team. So, I'm eventually, Team Echo. But, you know, I'm Team Echo, though. Always. I think you have to be Team Echo, but I mean, you know, once the apocalypse comes, there are no teams anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very true. <laughs> uh, very prophetic stuff. Then once they get to that point, true. I also love the. Uh, Again, uh, a little dialogue with Adele telling Topher, oh, yeah, it's time to shelve that whole imprint, uh, the Roger thing, Miss Lonely Hearts, and, you know, Topher's trying to play it for laughs, and Adele does a good job of not slapping him, realizing what that he's talking about her. So good stuff, I think. The indiscretion was unwise. Yeah, <laughs> always making it very factual. Oh, poor oxygenarian jokes. Poor Adele. <laughs> poor Adele. I know. All right. Well, great episode. Lots of really good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. We got some real meaty stuff we're getting to now at this point in the series, which is awesome. Did we get any good feedback for this episode? Yes. As a matter of fact, jumping to our Facebook group, Very which nice. we uh, encourage all of you, if you're on Facebook, you want to come get involved, uh, just uh, search on Active Architecture, a Dollhouse Retrospective podcast there. We uh, try to put up notices before we record so we can give folks a chance to share some thoughts. And uh, let me just run through a few of the things that we got here that might be interesting discussion points. Uh, as we mentioned again, thanks to Sam Wood for mentioning that Firefly uh, parallel. And also talking a little bit about uh, uh, you know, Paul's pain, the whole idea of uh, uh, November coming to him and what's going on there is, is again, as we touched on, some very cool stuff. Uh, how tough Adele is, not even take an anesthetic for her gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and mentioning, too, something we didn't bring up, but, but is very uh, well-known with the fans, too, is uh, Boyd's whole line talking about the dollhouse, that they're all, quote, pimps and killers, but in a philanthropic way. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Coming from, you know, one of the founders of Rossum, it becomes much more uh, <laughs> distinct. In yes. Our- <laughs> At least he knows it. You know, he doesn't deny it. He's like... Pimps and killers. Yep. It, it is in a philanthropic way. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yep. Boyd. We're going to live forever. What do we need your judgment right. for? You'll be, de- you'll be dead in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> now, another big item that was brought up, and we certainly don't have time to cover this in complete detail on uh, this podcast, but a very interesting point brought up by uh, Jessica Ford is asking the whole question that is Adele's use of Victor any more or less rape than Nolan's abuse of Priya or Hearn's abuse of Sierra. 
You know, what are the boundaries of consent within the dollhouse? I suspect we could write a book on that. Oh, that's a tough question. Is it more? I have to contemplate this. Is it more? <laughs> I mean, some thoughts when I saw that, um, that that come to my mind, and, and I think this is very much a gray area, and I suspect that when all of these poor folks, including Caroline, are recruited and have to come in, I'm sure there's a you know 100-page contract that they have to sign. And I suspect in there is the legalese telling them that their uh, assignments, engagements, activities will at some points turn into physical and sexual. So I mean... You're going to have a lot of sex. Like, it's just going to happen. Now, whether or not that crosses the line to rape, i.e., you, you know, that's, wow. The, um, the reason I, I look at it differently, and I, I, again, it's a gray area, you're very right, I don't know that there really is a difference, but the reason I look at it differently is, A, because I think of dolls as a childlike state, and they're very defenseless. And so the Hearn raping Sierra is different to me because of that, because she has no will to fight back. Like, it's almost like a child, like they have no, there's no way she could have fought back against him in the state that she was. And again, I mean, Victor technically couldn't have fought back either because he was brainwashed into having sex with her. So, uh. Well, I don't know about that, though. I, I'm, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, definitely with Hearn's abuse of Sierra, that is most definitely rape because there is absolutely nothing she could have done about it. But with Victor being uh, Roger, I don't, there's no indication that it was absolutely programmed into him that he had to love her, but that he was kind of everything that she wanted. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that he could have said, you know, no, I don't want to sleep with you right now. Um, no, I don't want to kiss you. No, let's go do this instead. So he has the ability to stop her and push back. And I don't think that she would then force herself on him because that would ruin the entire fantasy of the thing. But Plus Adele paid. I mean, yeah. Oh, she, I, well, are we sure about that? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, she, she, she could I mean she's classy. She'll pay. <laughs> I don't know. I had that as a note, though. I'm like, did Adele pay for all these engagements and how? I mean, no, I'm pretty sure she's being paid handsomely, but if she paid that handsomely? I'm sure maybe. she's she's Adele. She can, she can work with the books a little bit. That's what I figured. But, um... And especially with Nolan's abuse of, of Priya, he specifically had her put into the dollhouse so that she would say yes, because he mm -hmm. didn't seem to want to rape her in the traditional sense of the word, because he wasn't holding her down and, and having sex with her multiple times. He actually just had her kidnapped and, you know, turned into a doll so that she would come to him willingly and that's still rape because of the reason that he did it but if it was just you know sierra sleeping with any other client they're they're programmed that way and they i don't think that they in their active state would see themselves as being raped because their personality said yes to it even if technically the owner of their body did not yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, like, you know, Hearn, she was a child in doll state, and so that's just, that makes it worse. And then with with Nolan, he solely put her in the dollhouse f to do that, you know, so that's why it's a little shadier. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the only reason she was there. She didn't volunteer. She didn't sign up like the rest of them. She was literally just put there because she wouldn't have sex with a rich guy, <laughs> you know? So I think that's why I always look at those two situations as a bit worse than just an engagement with it all. Yes, I think that's part of it, too, is the engagement idea. I'm kind of using that as the crutch to say, oh, I'm not sure if I'll say it's okay because of the whole concept of DAWs, <laughs> but it's, it's more, more of the consent idea. It's um, more acceptable. Yeah, but it's a, it's a hell of a good question. So, And that's part of what we're going to see, I think, in a lot uh, of upcoming episodes and some of these whole concepts of uh, Rossum and what they do with this whole idea of jumping body to body, you know, the consent idea and for whose benefit is, is what being done. So it's, it's one of the many interesting discussions that we get to have about Dollhouse. So I appreciate you bringing it up there, uh, Jessica. That was a good one. Exactly. Questions like that are why I have a passion for Dollhouse and why I love Dollhouse. Because it literally, you could sit and think for hours and still not have a firm answer. It's just, it's so gray and so subjective and that that's why I love Dollhouse. It, it makes you think. I don't know. I'm swayed by sexy businesswoman's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> sexy businesswoman's shoes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, excellent stuff, folks. We, we, we really appreciate it. Um, and that's why we try to put up the notices before we record because it's it's a lot more fun interactively here to get you folks to, to feed us some good things to discuss. So uh, by all means, if, if you want to jump on uh, Facebook, share us some thoughts there. Uh, if Facebook isn't your thing, uh, we do have an email address. You can drop us a message if you're more of the private type and want to bring up a topic, excuse me, or a topic or an item for us to discuss. Uh, we're at activearchitecture at gmail.com. If you're more of a Twitter person, we are on Twitter at... Uh, Dolls Active, same idea. Drop a thought there. We'll we'll try to include it in some stuff we bring up, and same idea on any of those Facebook or or Twitter. We announce when the episodes go out and so forth too. So, as I said, we're getting pretty close to the end of season one, so we got lots of uh, really cool stuff coming up. We appreciate you folks sticking with us with a little bit of a haphazard recording schedule. It's <laughs> in the way. Uh, Molly got to see that firsthand with a couple of starts and stops and reschedules, so we appreciate exactly. her flexibility. <laughs> Absolutely. No problem. It gave me more time to come up with uh, more questions and comments and fun little quotes that I can just intersperse throughout this entire episode and have you guys laugh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of fun. That's why we've got some folks lined up to be uh, guest co-hosts. Uh, not all the slots are filled, so if you're maybe new to the podcast or just found us, uh, feel free to drop us a message if you're interested. We do keep a document, try to uh, you know get some folks on and, and uh, uh, shuffle things so everybody gets a shot at it because that's why it's a lot of fun. So let us know as well on any of those methods if you're interested in doing that, and I'll, I'll keep it listed in the document. So hope that was a good discussion you folks enjoyed. And again, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Molly. It was great to finally get a chance to talk to you. It was great to come on. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, again, I thank all of you for listening in, and uh, feel free to throw us some feedback, and hopefully we'll be back before too long with the next episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Never disagree
Yeah.